reason, uh, James Mitchell and family had an opportunity to, uh, as opposed to listening to me talk, they had an opportunity to go to a football game in Dallas, and he decided to go to the football game. So I had to pray for that boy. But uh, yeah, I hope he listens to this message. Um, but you know, just between you and me, Gene Shalit's one of my dearest friends, and I love her with all my heart. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her this week. I'm gonna find out exactly what she was talking about that she's doing to help her so much physically. And Sean, when I find out what she's drinking, I'm gonna tell you so we can all start drinking it too. And I'm sure that will probably help us. As we uh, enter this new year, uh, please turn to Matthew 28, the last two verses of that book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And today, as we begin uh, this new year, I want to review our purpose, objectives, and goals. Yeah, I know some of you are thinking, well, I've heard you say this before. I've heard you summarize the POGs, purpose, objectives, and goals several different times. And I get that, but I always put a different twist on it. It is important, I think, to kind of get the big picture every year. Uh, but I've added some things. I've added some new twists. Number one, um, a little later after the prayer, we're going to talk about five things that make TBF especially special. So we've never done that before. And then also, just at random times during the presentation today, uh, we're going to have a competition. Uh, we're going to have five questions that I was going to call this uh, five things every TBFer should know, and then I was convicted about that, so I've decided to call it uh, five things every TBFer might know, and it doesn't really matter whether you do or not. So, you know, so um, I'm going to show you a picture for three seconds. And then I'm going to uh, take it away, and I'm going to ask you just silently. And we're going to have a, an honor system here as we go through this today, um, how well you do on these questions. Okay. So the question is, who's that baby with Brad and Debbie? Okay. For three seconds, you're going to get this. That's one. That's two. That's three. We'll do it again. I've got to get my eyes worked up tomorrow, so I'm getting ready for my eye test. Um, who's that? I've been having some problems with my eyes again, so I'll pray about that. But that's okay. I could do this blind, right? Uh, Bill Shelton did. Uh, who's that baby with Brad and Debbie? Are you ready? There's so many babies in our lives now. It's it's hard. One, two, three. Okay. Michelle, who was that baby with Brad and Debbie? Say that again. Yeah, I was going through my computer cleaning out stuff uh, when I was in Texas. And that was right after Macy was born, probably within 24 hours, Duncan Regional Hospital. And I was just admiring her this morning, you know, how beautiful she is, how smart she is. And that's, that's pretty cool. So anyway, yeah. So let's pray for our teachability to God's Word. Uh, and also, as is our custom, and it's very important that we pray for our peace officers, our firefighters, uh, our active military, and families like my man... Uh, uh, Elliot and Solomon, you guys serve in a way, too, because you let your dad uh, do great things for our country, and we really appreciate that, David. Thank you. And uh, Yes. Yeah, that's great. Good to hear. He did such a good job, they let him off early. That's great. 
That's good. When you're looking, he's in the Coast Guard. He's an amazing helicopter pilot. Uh, you know, we, we got back, uh, from, we took a longer than usual Christmas vacation. Of course, it's 500 miles down there. And everybody's getting older every year. So we have to go down there whether we want to or not. But, uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, so we stayed like 10 days down there, nine days. And we got back, uh, right before dark, uh, on Thursday, which is New Year's Eve. Uh, and we're going to kind of enjoy a little downtime at home. And then within 24 hours, we got a text saying we took custody of the twins in two hours. So we had like 24 hours off. And, uh, you know, I wrote a poem once. It said, uh, I've seen the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome. But the most beautiful lights I've ever seen are the taillights on my children's car as they're backing out of my driveway and taking my grandkids back home. And I'm not going to let uh, Jonathan hear that because we, we love them. And Sharon was talking about that too. You know, I mean, you realize they're so cute and they're so precious and you're going to turn around and they're going to be graduating from high school. So you, you, you go the extra mile and you're hap- happy to do it. But boy, it will wear you out, just so you'll know. So if I'm a little grumpier than usual today, I have a reason. I haven't been drinking what Gene's drinking. So, But... Um, Tell you what, Stan, if you would, would you uh, pray for us in that direction? Okay, five things that make TBF especially special. Uh, if you attend Sunday services two times in a row, which a lot of people don't do necessarily all the time, uh, the next week you can get 2% off any order of 5,000 or more T-shirts from Red Dirt Apparel. So all you got to do is two weeks. Uh, our pastor is Real McCoy. Our youth pastor is Real Mitchell. Uh, we don't have rock concerts, lighting effects, or dancing elephants any Sunday, but we do have free coffee, free donuts, and free parking every Sunday. So keep that in mind. And then finally, uh, we're not Baptist, Assembly of God, Methodist, or Presbyterian, but we are the next best thing. That's true. Uh, I love this picture. It was a picture taken during um, Pueblo 2015, and you see uh, Tomas and and Ray and uh and um um you know what I'm I'm drawing and Gary see the little the little uh local guy his his name is Gary and uh the, the his sister Claudia yeah I knew, I knew that and then brother Dionisio and Clay and uh, what you might not know is Gene Shallot and I had the privilege of going to their house a couple of years ago and seeing those kids come to faith and mom come to faith and dad's still kind of on the fence. So it's really neat. But that's a really nice picture of Tomas. And of course, Ray always takes a beautiful picture. And Clay has a killer smile. And he's slightly to the right of Ted Cruz. And I'm hoping that someday you're president of the United States, just so you'll know. Okay, I will vote for you twice. Okay. Um, let's, you know, uh, why does Ray... I put up with all of the details of organizing the nursery for us, or why does Sonia organize uh, Christmas plays, or why does uh, Krista organize Super Summer, and why do the elders uh, give the extra mile? Why do we do all the stuff we do around here? I want to put all the specific little things you see and you do and, and maybe you should be doing into a larger frame. So that's why we're talking about the purpose, objectives, and goals. And let me just summarize the church in a single sentence. It's kind of my elevator pitch. People sometimes still, after 27 years, I'll go somewhere in town and people don't know what a Tanglewood Bible Fellowship is. So I say something like this. Tanglewood Bible Fellowship is a group of Christian believers 
from a wide variety of denominational backgrounds, united by our faith in Christ and a desire to grow and reproduce spiritually by a focus on the basics of Bible study, fellowship, worship, prayer, evangelism, and world missions. That's, that's what we is. That's what we was, and we're willing, that's what we will be, right? Uh, so, even though uh, pastors are, like to have you jump through religious hoops so they can think we're actually doing something, uh, we're not about getting people to become more active doing religious activities. Uh, we're really about the work of God becoming more active in believers, right? And not just when we're meeting for services, but kind of out on business trips and college campuses and high school campuses and the real world. So that's kind of where we're coming from. That's kind of our secret agenda. Uh, POG is just an acronym for Purpose, Objectives, and Goals. We've got one purpose, make disciples. Two broad objectives. When the church is gathered, let's focus on edification of believers. So when the church is scattered, which is most of the time, we can live the gospel and share the gospel. And then five goals are really functions, Bible study, fellowship, worship, prayer, evangelism, slash world missions. Right? So if you could remember what POG stand for, and some of you, this is your first time through, and if the others could remember these major passages that line up with the POGs, we get our purpose from the Great Commission, Sarah, right? Uh, we get the dynamics uh, of our objectives from Ephesians 4 and the five specifics from Acts 2. And uh, I know that's a really simplistic schematic diagram, but um, one of these days my son, the world's greatest graphic designer, is going to fix that up and make it look really nice. But uh, back when I first got a personal computer and uh, Bill Dickinson uh, was just getting his, I came up with that simple schematic diagram, and he said that's exactly what we've been trying to do. <laughs> not, not that diagram, but that's what the church been trying to do. Here's our purpose, make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of James or Brad or anybody else, but Jesus Christ, even as we're trying to be disciples, uh, walking as disciples. Our objectives are when we're gathered, let's edify believers with those functions uh, or those goals uh, so we can live the gospel credibly and share the gospel with words when uh, prudent um, and uh, not just in the... in our city, I mean, all over the world. I mean, we've been all over the world with this thing, which isn't to say uh, that we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. We're not going to fulfill the Great Commission. And not even the Southern Baptist Convention is going to fulfill the Great Commission. All any of us can do is contribute to the ongoing fulfillment. God sovereignly will fulfill the Great Commission like he wants to, but he'll use things like kindred community, okay, and we're going to take a little credit for that because Jan probably is so spiritual and wise she probably would have done it anyway. But apparently nothing here has confused her ability to actually do ministry. So, that's, you know, what do they say in the medical world? Above all, do no harm. So that's kind of my goal, too. If I just don't mess you up, uh, I'm, I'm happy, right? So, yeah, let's look at that. One overall purpose. Look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is uh, the last thing the Lord says in the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, there's only one command in the Great Commission. Uh, I think a lot of times we read this and it says, make disciples and then baptize and then uh, teach and then do this and do that. But there's one disciple in the Great Commission as far as the original text is concerned, make disciples of all nations, countries and colors and all those sociological uh, categories, blanks that sometimes hang us up. God is totally colorblind when it comes to stuff like that. You know, God's equal rights amendment. God so loved the world, right? Uh, 
But there's one command. Make disciples of Jesus by going with the gospel, so people hear and believe, by baptizing. Water baptism doesn't save any more than wearing a wedding ring makes you married, but it's a symbol. It's a picture of salvation. Like this is a symbol of my commitment to my wife, right? Uh, Make disciples by going to the gospel, identifying believers with Christ and the church, and then by teaching. That's not the only thing we should do. As a Bible teacher, I always feel like that gives me some good job security, which I like that, because that's the number one thing he used to summarize everything uh, that you're going to need and I'm going to need to continue to grow in the faith. So that's where we get our purpose. Our purpose is to make disciples, uh, which doesn't mean, I remember when I was uh, just about to leave dental school and go to seminary, uh, it became a fad that every church had to have a discipleship group. You weren't a disciple unless you went to a discipleship group once a week. And you know what? Um, you don't have to go to a class or a group that's designated discipleship group to be a disciple. I think everything that we do, including Super Summer, including the uh, thank you, Shelby, again, for organizing our Harvest Festival, our Halloween alternative, all that stuff contributes to an environment where people can hear the gospel and live the gospel. If I didn't think it did, I'd say, let's not do it. It's not worth doing. So it's not a matter of you becoming more like me or more like James or something. It's a matter of abiding in Christ and uh, fellowshipping with him in your life. So that's where we get our purpose. Make disciples of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus as believers. We want to be uh, more uh, committed to that and more consistent in that in this new year. Our two major objectives, Ephesians 4, are edification of believers by everybody's ministry, not just paying a professional Christian to talk to you about the Bible once a week. Uh and such that we can live and have an impact on our culture. And trust me, Sean Meadows um, has c- connections with people that I will never have as a minister. Being a minister opens some doors for me that you won't, you're not going to get. It also closes a lot of doors, too. So the idea that we pay me and James, and you guys don't think like this, but a lot of churches, we pay the preacher to do the ministry for us. That's not what Ephesians says. Notice what it says here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, It was he who gave some the gift of apostle, some to be prophets. Not all of us are apostles or prophets. That was a first century foundational gift for the church. Some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. That's what I is. And there's a lot of other gifts, but he's talking about four kind of key gifts, alluding and assuming, you know, everybody's got a spiritual gift and opportunity to serve. And those special folks aren't really special because all they get to do is serve more to prepare all of God's people. That's Ray Ward and Clay Ward. And that's Carol Wanzer and Ken Wanzer. And that's uh, Katie Skinner as much as Sonia Skinner, right? Uh, To prepare God's people for works of service or the work of the ministry, sometimes translated, such that the body of Christ may be built up. It's not my job to build it up. It's all of our job to build it up, build it up. And we're going to keep doing that until he comes back, uh, until we all reach unity of the faith, which we're not going to do until he does come back. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, and all of us become mature, attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ. We're supposed to grow mature individually so we can be more fully orbed in our ministry and consistency as a body. Then 
will no longer be infants, spiritual infants, unaware that the Jehovah's Witnesses are preaching a different Jesus, a different salvation, a different concept of God, that Islam has a different concept of God, a different concept of salvation, a different concept of Jesus. It's not the same thing. It's not the same God. It's a totally different counterfeit uh, on both sides, whether they're under the broad sociological Christian tent, Mormons, or outside of it, Islam, or anything else. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved through faith alone in Christ alone. So as we're growing in the local church, we're not going to be confused by obvious counterfeits of the faith because we know the basics. We've been taught the basics by the teachers. won't be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Not everybody who's a false teacher can say, hey, I'm a false teacher. You know, they try to look as, what do you do with counterfeit? You know, North Korea produces more counterfeit $100 bills than anybody else in the world. And they're so good, even the Treasury Department can't always tell. Is that scary? Yeah. But you make a counterfeit, you don't put a $100 counterfeit bill with Bozo's picture on it. You're going to have Benjamin Franklin. What's scary is, you ask Americans... Uh, what president, which president is on a $100 bill, and most of them will say Benjamin Franklin. What's the problem with that? He was never president, okay? But my favorite president was Alexander Hamilton, so just so you'll know. He wasn't president either. He should have been. But um, instead, rather than being confused by false teachers, speaking the truth in love, including from the pulpit, um, we will, in all things, grow up more and more like the one we're being discipled toward, Jesus Christ, who's the head, that is Christ, uh, from Him, the whole body, not just the pastor, teachers, and the evangelists, and the apostles and prophets, but all of us who have various gifts, uh, will be growing together, growing up and growing together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, uh, building uh, itself up in love as each part does its work. Uh, I'm preaching from the NIV today, which I don't normally do, but after I taught the uh, senior adult uh, ladies Bible class last Sunday at 7th Street Baptist Church, we all went out to lunch together, and uh, we were all in my mom's car, and so my sister didn't have enough room, so I took my Bible and my notes and put it in the trunk of my mother's car, and as soon as we got home on Thursday, my sister texted me and said, you forgot something, and I said, what is it? And she said, your Bible. I said, oh, great. She said, we'll ship it to you on Monday. So I'm working with a handicap today, okay? But by the way, this Bible was left here about six months ago, one Sunday morning. It's a beautiful NIV Bible, and I put it on the back, uh, the soundboard, so people would see it, and nobody claimed it. So if this is your Bible, I didn't steal it from you. Uh, I, in good faith, tried to make you aware of it. There's no name in it. So it, if it's yours, you, you can let me know after service, and I'll sell it to you. So... Uh, <laughs> Like a pawn shop, you know, I've had it for six months. Uh, possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? Okay, so our purpose make disciples. Our, our objective is to build each other up as we uh, meet together, whether it's somebody on the platform like Tommy singing or Brad teaching or whether it's just interaction. Uh, one reason I, I don't freak out over the fact we don't start at 930 or that sometimes the fellowship goes long, quote-unquote, between first and second hour, is because I know that fellowship is one of the five major functions, and sometimes some people get what they really need spiritually during those things, and they get nothing from what I just said. I mean, really, they didn't need it. 
So uh, I, I think God's kind of in charge of stuff like that. So I think that's helpful to keep in mind. So, But the idea is let's build each other up in the faith so that we're able to live a more consistent Christian life out in the world. And then um, look at Acts 2. We're going to resume our study of Acts 2 um, sometime in February. We're going to kind of deal with when your world's falling apart, when the world's falling apart, don't panic, play, pray, pray, plan, and persevere, starting with uh, Psalm 11, Lord willing, next next Sunday. So we're going to do a, like a four-week mini-series on that and get back to the book of Acts. But long story short, I love this. I could say more, but I won't. Uh, in Acts 2.42, you've got the first local church in history. Ken, first local church in history, Jerusalem Bible Fellowship. You've got the apostles or the staff. You've got 3,000 brand new believers. So Zane, what do you do with them? Trust me, the apostles know they're supposed to be doing the Great Commission. Okay, It's still ringing in their ears. They heard it. And they know it's one command, make disciples. So what do they do? What does that look like at a practical level? Well, verse 42 says, here's what the apostles made sure happened in and through the church. They devoted themselves to Bible teaching, the apostles' doctrine. God speaks to us. Fellowship, interaction between believers that mutually edifying, we commune with other believers, we're built up. Break, the breaking of bread, Lord's Supper, and other functions of worship, we commune with God through worship. Uh, and the prayer, we talk to God. His word talks to us, and prayer we talk to Him. We commune with Him in worship, we commune with other believers in fellowship. Now, a good Southern Baptist would say, where's evangelism? And I would too, because I know we're supposed to share the faith. Sarah, drop down to verse 47. What happens is when the church was gathered, the apostles making disciples of believers focused on edification, Bible study, fellowship, worship, and prayer so that being strengthened and encouraged in their faith, they could go out and be a blacksmith the other six days a week and share and live the faith such that, verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved because they saw Daryl fishing and when the fish slips off, he's not using... Um, theological terms to punctuate his sentences, uh, he's got a good attitude. Or they see Solomon walking around living a Christian life as a young kid. Young young man, I should say. Who looks like a kid when you're old like I am. So stuff like that there. So yeah, uh, I love that. That's what that is. Okay? Now you've seen that. We could say a lot more about that. But let's go from our pogs to kind of the way I understand our concept of ministry, which is kind of unique. Uh, we're a spiritual battleship. We're a spiritual health food establishment. We're a spiritual Simmons Center. Uh, we're a good church with a proven track record, but we're not the only good church in Duncan. And you know what? Most pastors won't tell you that or they can't tell you that. They'd lose their job if they say, hey, we're a good church, but we're not the only good church in Duncan. In fact, we're not even the best church for everybody in Duncan. I wish I wish I couldn't say that. I wish I wouldn't say that. I wish I didn't believe that. But it's true. So that's what it is. Now, by the way, I said that we'd put random questions, you know. So Macy was the first answer, right? Okay, Michelle, let's see if you keep going here. No pressure. Where are we? One, two, three. Whoop, shoot. Sorry. One, two, three. Uh, that is, uh, it's called a freeze when you put it on the side of something. And that's Nike. You know, Nike, which means that's the Greek goddess Nike, which means victory. Uh, what ancient city emphasized the god victory? It's not still water. It's not. So I ruled one city out. 
Okay, now there's another one. We'll come, yeah, we'll come back. Now watch. If you'll notice, that's, it's the same day, because we got the same clothes on, right? So the first one, Homer, where, where were we? That's Ephesus. Yeah. Extensively excavated. You ought to check that out sometime, Derek. You'd love it. And then just down, down the Aegean a little bit. What, what country is Ephesus in now? Don't say it, Homer. Turkey, right? Uh, just off the coast of Turkey, there's a little island where John wrote the book of Revelation. Patmos. Jan's been there. Yeah. So Macy, Ephesus, Patmos so far. Uh, yeah. Uh, Curtis Hale, the missionary, uh, first introduced this concept to us last time he was here several years ago that the local church should be a spiritual battleship, not a religious cruise ship. And he came up with all that. So if you don't like it, write him in the emails. But I mean, really, I think it's good. A good analogy. On a cruise ship, you're there for vacation. On a battleship, which is what the local church is supposed to be, you're on a mission. Everybody. Cruise ship's a holiday. Battleship, lifestyle. Pleasure, hard work. Voluntary. Volunteers can quit anytime they want to. Disciples don't quit. We get the word discipline from disciple, right? Hard work. Uh, fun, fun, fun. I've been on a couple cruises. They're nothing but fun. I love cruises. Uh, Homer and Pam are experts on cruises, and before we went on the first one, they were giving us all these tips. And man, I was writing everything down. And then, bless her heart, Pam is so tender-hearted. She's when we got back. Did you really like the cruise? Because we love our cruises. And then we realized some people don't like cruises. And I thought, man, how could anybody complain about this? I mean, your hotel goes to all these places, free food, 24 hours a day, ice cream. It's free ice cream, man. I mean, what's the problem? Some people complain about anything. You don't like a cruise? I mean, come on. Um, cruise ship is temporary. A battleship is 24-7, easy, challenging, no tasks on a cruise ship. That's one thing I like about it. I don't have to, I got nothing to do, man. And I, I like having nothing to do. I'm really good at having nothing to do. Unfortunately, I just never have that in my real life, you know. Definite roles, passive observer on a cruise ship, active contributor. Uh, there to be served by others, there to serve with others. That's the concept. The local church, you're here not to criticize everybody else's rowing technique, but get in, a, get in the canoe and start rowing, baby, right? Uh, and where do we get that from? We get that from our founder. And our founder wasn't Bill Dickinson. He was somebody much more important than that. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? To serve, yeah. So we're not a cruise ship. We're a battleship. Um we're a spiritual health food establishment. Now, I'm a guy who's, uh, you know, cursed to have been <laughs> led, I think, gifted and trained to prepare full-core spiritual meals to a generation that, cruise, that craves Bible McNuggets. Okay? So I get that. And, not every, and I'm not calling this fat, I'm not calling this, um, junk food because I realize some people actually, when they start with all the cookies on the bottom shelf and that's what they need at first, but what I'm trying to do, and don't thank me, I spend a lot of time doing this for you, but don't use it. I, I, I put some of my cookies on the bottom of the shelf because I know even in a, a less than a mega church, you've got people who have heard a lot better preachers than me talk about Ephesians, okay? So, uh, you know, they're up here. Then we've got people in entry level, aren't even believers yet. So I'm trying to stratify my cookies, and that's one reason. You know, if you're a perfect plaster saint, you don't need a top five list. I'm not doing that to you. But if you're really as spiritual as you think you are, you'll tolerate it because everybody else needs it. Okay? That's just a little insight, you know, to that. You know, you do these things to try to try to make it work. So I wouldn't call it junk food, 
But I think that, you know, the local church ought to, ought to challenge you, right? Just like a good, the reason you spend good money for a physical fitness, uh, person, what do you call them, a trainer, personal trainer, is because they, they challenge you to go a little harder. One more rep, one more pull up. Go a little harder on that last, you know, interval. Uh, if they were just telling you just, you know, what's this thing about listening to your body? That's why you get fat. You listen to your body, you want to eat all those donuts. You can't listen to your body. You gotta take control of your body. You know, make it your slave kind of thing. Some people want to buffet their body, but he says buffet your body. He doesn't say buffet it. You know? And that's a bad translation of that, just so you'll know. I'm really. Um, uh, we're a spiritual Simmons Center, not a religious Chuck E. Cheese. And, uh, it, that's not, that's not right. Is it Chuck E. Cheese's? Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, when I got here in, uh, 88, uh, I was astounded. There's a church on every corner, and there's 2,000, 20,000 people, uh, and there's like 70 churches. And that's amazing, you know, it's just a very, uh, Christianized community. And now we got like 170. And literally, I had a guy once who, who had been on the fringe of the church saying, hey, we're, my group's going to start a new church, and we're going to make it a spiritual Chuck E. Cheese. And I went, Lord, just beam me up. Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Are you, I felt like slapping him silly, but I, I didn't. He was bigger than I was, so I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is pizza and games, right? Am I right? Um, you know what? There's a place for pizza and games. It's called youth group. And then you grow up and you actually start putting money in the box so we can do a youth group. You know, that's what that is. And then my fourth concept is, um, and I mean this with all my heart, the longer I'm here, the more precious TBF is to me. And I'm not going to be here forever. I have no plans to leave right now. But, you know, this could be my last pog with you guys. You never know. So, um, um, uh, you know, for me, for God's capital C church to be Everything that God wants it to be, all the good local churches need to thrive. And I want, I don't pull against anybody. I want everybody preaching the gospel to do well, honestly. And I'm not, um, threatened by the fact that a lot of the, the, the good churches in town are a lot bigger than we, we are. I, that doesn't bother me a bit, which is probably not good, you know, because some elder boards would fire you for saying that, you know, much less saying we're not the only good church in town. That's, that's two fireable offenses in my profession. Here the guys, let me be myself and which is cool. But I, I do think we're a good church, and we've got a track record. We didn't just invent this in the garage to invent Chuck E. Cheese for religious people, you know, two weeks ago, with no ordination, no qualification, no nothing, but uh, they do it anyway. <laughs> uh, but I think we got a track record, so that's good, right? But we're not the only good church in town. We're not even the best church for everybody. Um, this hasn't happened in a long time, but in Shreveport, I, like once every six months, somebody would call the church in Shreveport and say, I'd say uh, Fellowship Bible Church, and they'd say, are you full gospel? Which is a technical term for charismatic. And I knew what that meant, so for the first couple of times, I kind of I knew what they meant, so I'd say, I, well, no, we're not charismatic, and yada, 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 and they usually get mad and hang up. And then I, I finally thought about it, Carol, I said, no, we are full gospel. I mean, we're John 3.16, it's full gospel. That's what Martin Luther said. So, are you full gospel? I'd say, yes, ma'am, John 3.16, I just explained the gospel. And then they'd hang up anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, so, you know, sometimes because we don't have a denominational le- a label, sometimes a charismatic person will come in, charismatic uh, theologically, and they're very disappointed. Uh, sometimes they hear we teach the Bible, so they think we're King James only, and every single theological point they've taught, 
they've been taught is exactly where I am because they realize that their old pastor had a perfect theology and I, I don't, but they assume because I teach the Bible, I must. So they're happy for like two weeks until they hear me say something they disagree with from the Bible and then they leave. You know, and stuff like that. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't surprise me. I don't think they're inferior. I kind of, I think I can diagnose it when it happens, you know, but the local church is a place where you kind of, uh, you hold your nose and lean way over backward to get along with other dysfunctional people like you who've been redeemed by the grace of God who aren't as perfect as you are. You know, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, for you, so you should do it for me, you know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I totally get that. And I'm not threatened uh, by the fact that God's purpose for the world is much greater than Duncan, much less TBF. I, I get that. But here's the cool thing. Uh, God loves the world. He's got a place for the world. But, but here's the thing. He, his purpose for the world includes Duncan and it includes us. It includes us. So it isn't, it's important, you know, what we're doing. But uh, we're not irreplaceable. And there's a lot of good stuff God's doing out here that I've got no control over. And if I had any input on it, I'd probably mess it up. And I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. Okay? Now, here's another random question. We saw, what, Macy and Ephesus and Patmos. Uh, who's that little TBFer? Kind of a trick question. One, two, three. Some of you have seen it before. One more time. One, two, three. I'll give you a hint. He's now all grown up and he has six kids. No, four kids. This seems like six. He has them two at a time. Uh, that's Jonathan actually in Shreveport as a four-year-old doing, uh, uh, what's the deal with Pat Sajak? Um, it's a show. He was doing Wheel of Fortune, uh, four in the morning. He would paddle in there when he was like two and a half, turn the computer on, get that up, cause it's just one button to get Wheel of Fortune on. It's just a little cruise, a little shaver. And at like six o'clock in the morning, he'd hit a D, and the first word would have a D, and he'd go, this is six o'clock in the morning. Hey mom, what word begins with a D? And, and, of course, Debbie would say, hey, Brad, wake up. What word begins with a D? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, these guys uh, are here today. Lincoln's going to be an astronaut someday. Looks really good in the uniform. And that is Eloise and Violet. And uh, they're neat. Blance, that's the way God sees his church in, in Duncan, in part. We don't have all the uh, different churches there, but... God likes his church looking like that. Uh, to me, I'd rather it just be one big blob, TBF, I'm the pastor, and I write the bylaws. Okay, that's what, if it's up to me, that's why I would organize it. But God likes it like that. Centers on the gospel. What's the, and then, assemblies of God who are regenerate, and Methodists who trusted Christ, and Southern Baptists, and Northern Baptists, and Nazarene, and Presbyterians, and Lutherans, and TBFers who believe in Christ. We're all part of his regenerate church. We're visibly part of local churches. And God likes his church like that. Uh, it's his plan, and uh, I totally get that. Uh, the core is the message that Christ died for our sins and rose again, and through faith in him. He tells the woman at the well who's been married and divorced five times, and the reason she got divorced five times, I think, is because she had boyfriends on the side. And now she's living with her boyfriend. He says, if you knew who it was talking to you and you'd ask him, he'd give you eternal life. <laughs> wow. Because Jesus died for our sins, guess what? We don't have to... That's called good news, right? That's good news, isn't it? Mel. Because Jesus died for your sins, you don't have to die in your sins. But he didn't just die for our sins, what happened? He validated 
the saving power of his death by literal bodily supernatural resurrection that really happened in real time space. Okay, And through faith in him, you can have the gift of eternal life. Uh, they used to say, join the Navy and see the world. Uh, you know, it sounds pretty pretentious to say we're going to contribute to the fulfillment of Great Commission on this little corner in this little town in a little state. But, and I'm not talking about work trips and even the youth group trips to Red Mesa and all the great stuff we've done in the country or locally, kindred community or, uh, Ron, remind me of what you guys are doing with the widows to serve. And that's in the, in the early stages, but that's Ron's baby and he's doing great things with that. But, I mean, we've been all over the world on mission trips, literally. We're not making it up. Are we? Are we making Puebla? It's real, isn't it? Uh, all, all that stuff. Uh, one of my favorites was China uh, in 2004. We, went, we were north of North Korea in a place called Harbin. Uh, there's the team. Uh, there's Sue. There's Carla. Man, Carla, you look so young back then. But if you think you look young back then, Carla, who's that? Is that Aaron? Is that Dr. Buchanan? Wow. Andrew is uh, having a vacation today. He looks like a kid. Pam, just as pretty as ever. Homer's looking good, you know. Uh, there's Leah. There's Peggy. There's Grace. Uh, Stephen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think it was, I, yeah, I'm not naive. I don't think the fact we had people in uniform coming to these English classes was, I think they were kind of watching us, but it was the year, a couple of years before the Olympics, so they couldn't kill us then or whatever. Uh, but then there's Carla and one of her friends, and that's the happy moment when the airplane to leave finally showed up. We were, it was three hours late, you know, so, stuff like that. That's China. This is Jordan, Jordan Evangelical Theological Seminary. Uh, in the Arab world, you'll see a lot of advanced theological training for Muslims. You won't see any women in those classes, but Christians uh, love women too, you know. Uh, Jordan is right between Israel and Iraq. Uh, talking about Palestinians a few weeks ago, there's a Palestinian. He's not short and dark. He's taller than I am and light-skinned and good guy. Uh, that's Rafiq. He's my Egyptian translator. I'm using PowerPoint, handouts, and a whiteboard. Uh, again, that's the class the last time I was there with women front and center. Uh, it was one of my handouts that was, uh, you've seen schematic like that. That's all Arabic, so that was a PowerPoint slide. They worked up for me based on my handout. Then working the whiteboard. We've also been to Israel. Capernaum is a real place? Yeah. Uh, and there's uh, Ron in the back, and there's uh, Duncan Banners for his bunny. There's Homer. Such a gentleman, he's kneeling so we can get Kathy in there. Uh, there's Tom, Kathy, and uh, Ron, and Bonnie. Uh, we're just crossing the Sea of Galilee. Temple Mount, there we are on the Temple Mount. Uh, there's a beautiful hotel in Jerusalem we stayed at. There's Homer and Pam. Uh, I think I just told another hilarious story, probably. Uh, proof that Homer can float. As long as you're in the Dead Sea. Uh, empty tomb. Uh, Mexico. Uh, Ray. Puebla. You ever heard of Puebla? Like due south of Duncan. Uh, just, uh, south of uh, Mexico City. Boom. Uh, Tomas is no longer pastor of Iglesia Batista Jerusalem. He now is pastoring kind of a, uh, category paradigm breaking ministry called the Church of the City. It's kind of a, uh, church that meets, uh, on Sundays all over 
the city as it develops into in, in small groups. But there we are. There's Stephanie. You were so cute back then. You still are. Just so you know. Uh, that's uh, getting ready to do church. There's uh, Steve Bowers. He's with us that time. Uh, there's Debbie and uh, Domingo. There we are, running around downtown doing something. Well, now here's the uh, the final, the fifth and final question. Then I got an extra credit question. What did 42 years of marriage do to these people? That's what we looked like many years ago. That's what we look like now. It's not good. It's just I'm just telling you. Uh, I'm just telling you, kids, take drink your milk and take care of yourself and 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 sleep. Get some sleep because otherwise you turn into that slowly. And you don't even notice, you know. It's, it's bad. Um, extra credit question. What's Mike's Palovic reaction to all this nonsense? He's such a gracious guy. He liked it. <laughs> he liked it. Except for the Stillwater crack. Neither one of us liked that part of it. Okay. As I wind this down, I would say to uh, to me, I think the evangelical church is losing this because, hey, if it's more convenient, come on Sunday, Saturday night. You know, we'll make... Uh, Discipleship as convenient as possible for you, you know, which is kind of an oxymoron. But uh, Sunday is special. And for 2,000 years, Christians have endangered life and limb all over the world to worship on Sunday in a special way. Why? It's the day of the resurrection. It's a weekly celebration of the literal bodily supernatural resurrection, LBS. Literal. really happened bodily. It wasn't just a spirit. Supernatural, you can't do it in laboratory resurrection from the dead. He doesn't die anymore, so he can give eternal life to those who trust in him. It's the first day of the week. Don't let Sunday just be the second day of your weekend. If you can go out of town and be with the grandkids, if I could be out of town and be with my grandkids once a month, I'd probably do it. I get that. I have no problem with that. I understand that. But technically, look at the calendar. Sunday's first day of the week, and if you're in town and healthy, the first significant thing you should do on the first day of the week as a disciple of Jesus Christ is get together with believers of like mind and practice, even some you, that you find hard to like, because that'll be good for you, um, just as a commitment. you know, Homer and Pam, if they don't show up, they're either out of town or he's in the hospital. That's the only reason they're not here. They're committed. you know. Um, I, I don't count because I get paid to do this, but I go to church even when I'm not getting paid. Like last Sunday, I went to church, so... Um, I didn't start going to church when I became a professional Christian, just so you'll know. But some people wonder about that. Uh, it ought to be a day of rest, reflection, and meditation on the, on the Word. And because we give you a lot more content uh, than is common nowadays, that's one reason the church has always had Sunday night opened for some special things sometimes. But the idea was Mike Kempinen and Dr. Leitner and Brad McCoy are going to give you some pretty in-depth stuff. And rather than giving you more stuff, to think about you're not going to apply, just chew on the stuff we already gave you. You know, We're going to give you a full load on Sunday morning, more or less. Some of you have seen these numbers before. These are significant numbers to me. 168 is, you don't have enough time for stuff, right? I get that too. I have more to do than I can do. But 168 is the number of hours in Derek's week, this week and every week, and in the Pope's week and the President's week. Uh, the most busy person you know, Carla uh, Buchanan or Carol Wanch or some of these people that are super effective and efficient, that's all they get, right? And that's all you get. That's all anybody gets. So you don't have enough time. We all get the same amount of time, 168 hours a week. Here's the thing. If you come at 9.30, of course, we're not going to start till 9.37, so, uh, you know, just roll in when you can. 
But if you're here from 9.30 to the end of second hour every Sunday and Wednesday night, you're investing 2.38% of your week. That's not a lot. That's really not a lot of your week. You know? uh, and the program's designed for you to get all that exposure. But some people can't do that. If you come Sunday at 9.30 and stay through second hour, that's 1.48% of your week. Well, I just don't get much out of church. You know what? If you only ate 1.48% of the daily recommended requirement of any nutrient, you probably wouldn't be doing very well physically, would you? I mean, I mean just think about it. We're not asking that much when the church is gathered. And, you know, if you come at 9.30 and leave after first hour, you've, you've invested 0.89% of your week in your local church. That, that's not a lot. You know, we're not asking for a lot. Now, watch this. What is 0.59? I know Ron knows it. He's an accountant anyway. But, you know, I, I took the 45-minute challenge many years ago. And, my, by the way, the 45-minute challenge doesn't start until after the joke's over. So it doesn't. this clock doesn't start until after the top five list. And if you look at it, I'm, I'm around 45. I don't go much over 55 anymore after that. But if, if, if I'm talking to you for a full hour, even if you include the introduction before the top five list or something, if you come to first hour of Bible teaching and I talk for an hour, you've invested 0.59% of your week in being under the Word. Is that too much to ask? Really? You want it to be down to 20 minutes, make it Bible McNuggets, and oversimplify the Trinity so nobody understands what the Trinity is anymore and can't defend it? <laughs> really? That's too much to ask disciples that are totally committed to Christ and then they teach lordship salvation, but they're only going to talk to you about the Bible for 20 minutes and not make it too con- make it as convenient as possible? Really? Nice. That's great. That doesn't sound good to me at all. So, you know, I think every Christian should be under the word and in the word. But if you're coming on Sundays and getting everything I'm trying to give you, you've, you've got, you've just invested 0.59% of your week. Wow. Which isn't a lot. So you think it's too much. I know some weeks it seems like I speak for eight hours. I get that. And on those weeks, you ought to see me when I get home. I drag my way home, drag myself to the couch, turn the football game on, and go to sleep for four hours, you know. So I know how that feels. All right, what have we seen today? We've seen the POGs. What does POG stand for? Purpose, objective, objectives and goals, right? One purpose, two objectives, five goals. Uh, make disciples of the Lord Jesus, not Brad or James or Jenny or Olga or even Ron. By the way, you know, I make fun of Ron a lot, but I do it out of love. Number one, he's got a sense of humor. He actually kind of likes it. But, I mean, uh, Ron is a solid guy. He's a very generous guy. Uh, he's got a lot of pressures in his life. Just running a business nowadays is not easy. And, you know, he, anytime he gets a big order, he basically gives about 10% of it away. He's almost as bad as Tom Robertson that way. You know, I don't know how he makes a profit. He gives so much stuff away. So, uh, when I, I put Ron in there for a purpose because... Yeah, he'd be a good example to follow in a lot of these areas. But we're not making disciples of Ron or Olga or Jenny or James or Brad. We're trying to make disciples of Jesus, right? So that's what we're trying to do. Um, going to the gospel, baptizing, identifying, and teaching. Uh, Ephesians says we're going to edify when we're together primarily so we can actually live a credible Christian life in the real world as a, as a link one mentor or whatever else you do uh, in your life. And then what are the five things we try to do from Acts 2? What do the apostles do? Bible study, fellowship, worship, prayer. So the blacksmith could live the gospel and the Lord was adding day by day people coming to faith. Right? There's our concept. Spiritual battleship. Uh, spiritual health food. Uh, spiritual Simmons Center. So we are going to challenge you a little bit. We're going to try to stretch you out a little bit. 
And we're a good church. I think we're a biblical church. Uh, we're not going to be a mega church as long as I'm around, or as long as we're in Duncan, really, with this concept. But I think God's honored it, but it's not the only way to do church, and we're not the only good church in town at, at all, and I never have said that. I don't believe it. Right? Now I'll finish with this. Uh, three basic types of TBFers, uh, and this is true in every church, but every church has a committed core uh, people who are casual, kind of the one thing they're in charge of or the one thing that really turns their crank they plug into. It might be Sunday morning. It might be something else. And then you've got people on the fringes that are curious. Now, I've always said the bigger a percentage of your total church, that is the healthier you are. I know some churches are all about church growth. I'm all about church health. You know, shepherds were not told to go buy sheep or get sheep or steal sheep. They were told to feed the sheep. But if the sheep are healthy, they're going to reproduce. So it's going to continue going and maybe and grow over a period of time. So, you know, we got through periods where uh, we look like that, and then Halliburton uh, either uh, lays them off or sends them somewhere else, and people are in the military, and they send them, they blessedly get out of the military and go into the Lord's Army full-time, which you're going to do, right, which you already are, and stuff like that. So... But that, that's what, what I'm trying to do. That's what, the elders are just trying to, if you're curious and casual, we're trying to get you in here. There's always room for one more committed, committed, that's a bad word to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, we just want it to look like that and growing. So we're trying to do. So here's my question. If you buy those three categories, and I hope you do, because they're all valid, which one were you? And that should say in 2015. That's a typographical error. I only made like five today, so that's pretty, that's better than usual. Yeah. Okay. A committed, casual, and curious. And I don't usually say, be committed to this church. I usually say, be committed to the Lord. But today I'm saying, be committed to this church under the Lordship of Christ. And if we're, you know, blaspheming or uh, just way off the reservation, forget it. You know, go with the Lord. But, uh, I feel like after almost 40 years of track record, uh, this church deserves, uh, kind of being in the center as opposed to being on the fringes. You know, that's just me. So which one were you? The bad news is you can't change that. I got good news for you, though. I got good news. Bobby, I got good news for you. You know what? Which one will you be? And it's really up to you, isn't it? Yeah, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this especially special uh, group of believers. I mean, from day one, it's been such a, a beautiful group of people. Uh, not that we're the only beautiful people from your family in Duncan at all, or the only good church or whatever, but uh, this has really just been a unique group of people with a really neat concept, a really clean concept. And we haven't, certainly we haven't lived it out consistently or perfectly, and some of us, including me, have done things that have kind of hindered it at times. But I, I thank you. We got a great game plan. We got a great, great game plan. And we can articulate it and we can think how just showing up contributes to the fulfillment of that in, in some real ways. So I thank you for the way you've provided and raised this church up. It's kind of like an experiment, like the founders said about the experiment that they were cranking out in Philadelphia at the Constitutional Convention. In some ways, I think this was a very trendy, cutting-age, radical concept to be non-denominational but not charismatic, emphasize Bible teaching, build prayer into the fabric of the structure. We don't just talk about prayer requests. We actually pray uh, about other people's prayer requests on the spot several times a week. It's built into the major uh, mainframe of the whole church. 
very radical stuff, and now it's considered to be old hat by some people. But that's okay, Father, because I think right now uh, we're living in the good old days as we'll think about them 20 years from now. And so we can make, with your grace and your empowerment, 2016 a, a, a good year as you continue to work through this body to contribute to the fulfillment of the Great Commission. I know that there are a lot of people here who'd love to go to Puebla or love to go on a mission trip. They just physically can't do it. Or, or maybe their schedules are just, they just cannot work it in. But they pray and or they give. And I, I know that they get just as much of a, a blessing and a reward from your standpoint. Uh, when we honor a prophet, we get a prophet's reward kind of thing. And I think that's one reason some of these things have happened. Because so many people who can't physically go uh, contribute and pray and make it happen. Uh, I pray that uh, we would love this thing. Not because it's perfect. Uh, not because we don't have quirks and issues and things we have to deal with. But precisely because this is your laboratory to help us learn how to serve one another and how to love imperfect people saved by your grace just as we receive the love and support of other people who have uh, the grace to love us where we are and to challenge us to, to higher things, to your glory. Help us to take our discipleship of our Lord Jesus Christ and servanthood of Him and others who don't deserve it just as seriously as He did. I pray for anyone this morning who's not from the depth of their heart trusted Jesus alone. I know this they can't do this unless you're working in them to convict them of sin. They got it. Righteousness, they need it. It can't possibly produce it. And judgment, it's coming. But because Christ died for our sins and took our place, we don't have to die in our sins. And we do simple faith in Him. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Lord, I, I realize I'm a sinner. I can't fix it. You can. I believe you died to pay for my sin and rise again. I trust you alone. I accept you as my Savior. Uh, it's as easy as a little kid trusting uh, in your provision, but it's theologically so complicated, none of us totally understand it and never will. So that's where it starts. I thank you for each one here this morning. I pray that you would encourage us that we've got significant work to do to your kingdom, but we do not have an exclusive corner on the truth here, and we never will. So help us to be able to encourage believers of uh, different church backgrounds and different church commitments and to help us to plug in and integrate better this year too. Uh, again, thank you for each one who's here and pray you'd be glorified through the process and product of this message. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.